On Friday, April 13, 1951, Troy Powell and Ernest Walrath were executed at the Idaho State Penitentiary for the crime of murder in the first degree, a crime both young men confessed and pled guilty to. The execution took place outside the walls of the prison in Number 2 Yard, away from other inmates. It serves as Idaho's only double execution to date, as well as the youngest men to be sent to the gallows in Idaho's history. This bonus episode explores the crime and the perspectives of a former retired Idaho Supreme Court justice, the daughter of Walrath and Powell's attorney, and the current historical sites administration at the old Idaho pen. Enjoy. On the evening of May 8, 1950, two young ex-convicts named Ernest Walrath and Troy Powell hatched a plan to rob an elderly neighborhood grocer named Newton Wilson. This would end in a brutal murder and Idaho's only double execution. Troy Powell was well acquainted with Newton Wilson. He lived two houses away. On one occasion, Powell chased a group of neighborhood kids who were tormenting Wilson out of the store. Wilson thought quite a lot of Powell, telling an employee, I wouldn't want him to hit me. On the evening of May 8th, Ernest Walrath knocked on Wilson's door and asked to use his telephone. These two were not acquainted. The initial plan was for Walrath to enter the house and hold Wilson up while a masked Powell came in through the back door and robbed the store, but they lost their nerve. Walrath used the telephone to call his girlfriend who was at Powell's house. He thanked Wilson and left. On their second attempt, both Walrath and Powell knocked on the door. Wilson let them in to use the telephone. Walrath called his girlfriend a second time and walked back to the couch where Wilson and Powell were listening to a baseball game. Walrath pointed to a story in the newspaper Wilson was looking at about a deadly car crash. As Wilson looked down, Walrath struck him on the top of the head with the butt of his gun. Wilson struggled to get up and Powell swung a sock full of rocks at Wilson. The sock exploded upon impact and rocks scattered across the room. Walrath dropped the gun and began punching Wilson until he was unconscious. They pushed Wilson face down onto the floor, stole his wallet, and robbed the store. Neither planned what came next. Walrath pulled out a butcher knife from the kitchen and plunged it into Wilson's back. He would admit in court that he was the only one to use the knife. The two returned to Powell's home and cleaned themselves up. Walrath's girlfriend and Powell's pregnant wife joined the two on a drive towards Horseshoe Bend where they dumped the evidence into a ditch. The next day, Walrath's girlfriend phoned police to report the crime. Walrath and Powell were arrested, confessed to their crimes, and pled guilty to the charge of murder in the first degree. We asked retired Idaho Supreme Court Judge Jesse Walters what led to the death sentence for both men in this crime, despite Powell never touching the knife. Well, good evening. Uh, my name is uh, Jesse Walters. I am a retired Idaho Supreme Court Justice. I also served as a district judge in Ada County and on the Idaho uh, Court of Appeals. I've been asked to discuss the case of Ernie Walworth Jr. Jr. and uh, Powell, who were uh, executed on April the 13th, 1951, 
uh, for the murder of Newt Wilson, a grocer in uh, Boise. Uh, April the 13th, as you know, is uh, Friday the 13th in this year, and it was Friday the 13th when uh, Walworth and Powell were executed back in 1951. These were the two youngest men ever executed at the Idaho State Penitentiary. They both participated in uh, robbing Mr. Wilson, who ran a corner grocery store. As a result of the conduct of the two individuals, Mr. Wilson died. Now, there's a little uh, question about what might have caused the death, because uh, the story is that uh, Walworth hit Mr. Wilson on the head with a revolver, they happened to have a gun with them during the course of this robbery, but the gun was defective and, and couldn't fire bullets. And Walworth used it to hit Mr. Wilson on the head. And uh, Mr. Powell also had a stocking or a sock filled with some rocks to be used as what they call a sap or a blackjack. And that Powell also beat Mr. Wilson on the head with the uh, sap. Uh, Mr. Wilson fell to the floor of his house and uh, Walrath uh, obtained a butcher knife from the kitchen and proceeded then to stab Mr. Wilson uh, until he was dead. Uh, these two young men got a grand total of $12.50 in this robbery uh, of Mr. Wilson. Now the two individuals, the two defendants, uh, were not tried uh, before a jury in the district court in uh, Ada County, they pled guilty. They didn't ever go to trial over what was the cause of death uh, of Mr. Wilson. The prosecutor evidently had charged them with what we call a felony murder rule. And uh, this is a rule adopted by the legislature that's part of the murder statute that said if a homicide occurs during the course of the commission of uh, certain uh, felonies, including robbery, that it's an automatic first-degree murder charge. It doesn't have anything to do with premeditation or planning in advance uh, to commit a killing. It's a killing or a death of someone that happens uh, during a, a certain felony. The individuals who uh, committed that felony, committed that murder, can be charged with first-degree murder. And, uh, of course, in this case, they were charged with death during the course of the robbery, to which they then pled guilty. Uh, the prosecutor was not uh, required to put on any proof to prove the fact of the crime because both individuals had pled guilty. They did have a, an extensive hearing before uh, District Judge Charles Winstead, the district judge in Ada County, uh, who imposed the death penalty after the hearing. And at that uh, time, they put on a lot of evidence, both the state and the uh, defendants in mitigation of their conduct uh, to assist the judge in deciding what the penalty should be. I should back up and say the penalty for first-degree murder is either death or life imprisonment. Those are the only two choices. And uh, the judge has to make the, or had to make the decision in those days uh, as to which uh, penalty would be imposed. Now, that rule, by the way, has been changed by the U.S. Supreme Court it is now required that a jury decide uh, what the penalty should be for first-degree murder. Uh, in, in other words, before the death penalty can be imposed, it has to be determined by the jury that it would be the appropriate penalty. But at the time that uh, Walworth and Powell were on trial, 
uh, or at their hearing for sentencing, uh, it was only required that the judge make that decision. It was not required that a jury do that. And Judge Winstead determined from all the evidence presented, including the background of both the individuals, uh, considering their ages, one was 20 and one was 21, their prior criminal uh, history, which included uh, terms in the uh, Oregon Penitentiary, uh, where the two had met before they uh, came to Boise and committed the, the murder of uh, Mr. Wilson. Uh, their uh, intelligent level was uh, brought into, uh, into discussion, and according to the Supreme Court's opinion in the review of the case, the Idaho Supreme Court uh, determined that Walrath uh, was an exceptionally intelligent person, and that uh, Powell uh, was also uh, intelligent, but not below the intelligent for normal, that they were both at least of, of normal in intelligence. Executions in Idaho are, are quite rare, and the last execution they had before this one in 1951 was back in 1926. So it was 25 years or so uh, in between the last execution and when, the, when Walworth and Powell were executed. We interviewed Jody Howley Ochoa, retired director of the Idaho State Historical Museum and the Old Idaho Penitentiary, for her family's connection to the execution of Walworth and Powell. I'm Jody Holly Ochoa, and I live in Boise, Idaho. My father was Jack Holly, and uh, he was an attorney uh, on the stay of ex execution case for Walworth and Powell in 1951. That was the first thing he worked on after he passed the bar. He and my mother were married in 1950, and uh, I was born in November of 1951. So at the time of the execution and during the case, my mother was pregnant with me. There was always this family story that, uh, about that case and about the execution that my mother told me and my father also told me his version of it. But at the time, mom was home alone in their apartment was in the Hills Village apartments. My father and my uncle Jess worked together in, my, in the law firm, and Uncle Jess was the attorney of record for Walworth and Powell during um, the trial. When Dad joined the firm after he passed the bar, uh, the first thing he did work on was the stay of execution for them. And the night of the execution, both my uncle and my father had flown to Pocatello to argue the stay uh, before the governor. And of course, they lost. Now my mother was alone in their apartment in Hills Village. She, uh, and he had never been apart, as far as I know, and what they told me. And so she was really kind of um, unsettled and very nervous that night sitting there. She always told the story about how a storm had come through the valley and the wind was blowing and the trees were rattling and branches were scratching in, on the side of the apartment building and she let her imagination kind of run and felt like those were boots rattling and hanging. And this was something she told me for many years. 
Uh, my father, when he, I, I asked him many years later about that night when I started working for the old pen and to get his story and he always felt very strongly that Powell did not deserve to be hanged. He deserved to be in prison, but uh, he felt like Walrath had, was the, the ringleader and kind of had influence over Powell and Powell was not, you know, not a very sharp person and so allowed himself to be controlled. We interviewed Amber Byerly, Historic Sites Administrator at the Old Idaho Penitentiary, about her experiences involving the case of Walrath and Powell. I'm Amber Byerly, the Historic Sites Administrator for the Idaho State Historical Society. In April of 2012, um, it was just a normal day, I answered the phone, and we were actually preparing for a, a similar event about Walrath and Powell and their executions, and a woman called to tell a unique story about uh, being at the site, she was a school bus driver, well, and she was fact, trying to locate uh, the school group with, within the site. And she heard some noises, some voices that drew her to uh, Five House Building Maximum Security. And she heard footsteps, so she just decided to follow again, just looking for her group. Uh, when she went up to the, uh, the gallows area, there is an exhibit that we have that is about... Um, the executions that occurred here and she saw the story of Walrath and Powell and she was shook immediately because they were executed on her birthday and so she was calling to share this story and we have similar stories and experiences like that um, that happen here that almost have a ethereal feel um, you know this place evokes sadness um, some people liken that to, to ghosts or paranormal activity and some people just to the realities of what happened here with Walrath and Powell, we have the facts of the case. We know that they did, in fact, intend to rob, and in the process of doing so, murdered um, a very innocent man, Newton Wilson. Um, we know that Walrath initially stated that they both participated in um, the slaying of Mr. Wilson. However, we also know that Walrath was very emphatic that he was the only one that participated in the actual killing later on, uh, which matched um, Troy Powell's story from the start. So with these things, there's always facts and absolutes within history. However, history is all about memory, and it's about um, the humanity of people, which is always a lot harder to measure. And so We've spoke with family members involved in this case, and we're always aware of that and that this was a very real thing to them. It's always really important to remember that these were two very young men, um, the youngest actually, in fact, who were ever executed in Idaho. Um, some look at them as, as brazen and arrogant, others as uh, innocent, of, you know, in, in an innocent time, if not innocent of the crime. Um, and really just a product of that period of time where, where justice was sought out so swiftly that perhaps all the facts of the case weren't um, considered fully. Um, and really there was just this idea of justice before perhaps uh, looking at all the facts of the case. Um, so it's very complicated. The truth often lies somewhere in the middle. And when we look, especially in the case of Troy Powell, where we have evidence that he didn't participate fully in the murder. Um, he certainly was culpable, certainly belonged to prison, 
but um, you know you look at similar facts and similar cases in which uh, they were not executed for similar crimes, and so we we find again that this is just a very complicated case, and that's that's why we're here is to sort of work through all those things about what actually happened, and then just exploring the mysteries of our site and what that evokes with people, um, whether you believe in paranormal activity or not. We know that sometimes that spirit of of heaviness that weighs on people, it does stay here because of that, the negative facts that actually happened, that actually occurred here.